0: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of Roll for persuasion your weekly interview podcast where i chat with creators and entrepreneurs in the DD and tabletop gaming communities about the cool projects they're doing and how their games influence their life and their work as always very awesome guest coming up we'll get to him in just a minute but let us knock out some of that quick business before we go First and foremost, don't forget you can follow the show on social media at Roll Persuasion on Instagram and Twitter. I love interacting with you guys there. So please make sure you're giving us a follow. Also, if you uh, enjoy the show, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Our preferred ones are Apple Podcasts. So you can just look up the show there. Make sure you leave us a review. You subscribe and podchaser.com. Just search for the show on there. It's another great place to review and support your favorite podcasts. And of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Persuasion. You can support the show there as well. There are some special bonuses backers get that you will hear about throughout the show. So it is worth checking out. I am always very grateful for my awesome sponsors, one of which we'll talk about right now, awesomedice.com. I appreciate a company that's straightforward about what they do and who they are. Uh, they're an awesome company and they make awesome dice. And that's really all you need to know if you love playing RPGs, D&D, Pathfinder, Star Wars, whatever you might be into, you know you need some dice. AwesomeDice.com is my favorite place to go and get them. They have all the different brands you could want. Gemstone dice. They've got solid metal dice. Really cool things. And if you use the show code RollPersuasion at checkout, you will save 10%. And some of that will go back to support the show as well. So everybody wins. AwesomeDice.com. Really glad to have them on board and to get to share them with you guys. So, Let's do a little intro for our guest here. There's a good chance you've heard of him, especially if you are a fan of RPG streams, stuff like Critical Role or other shows of that type. He is a creator, he's a creative, he makes really cool games. Let me read you the intro to one of these games so you can get a sense for who this guy is. Once upon a time, there was a kind and wise And beautiful witch who lived in the forest with her familiars. And her life was peaceful and happy until a fucking witch hunter broke into her cottage and dragged her out and fucking murdered her and now she's dead. But if you get revenge and kill him and bring his eyes to her corpse within a week, she'll come back to life. Or so you've heard. Even if it doesn't work out, at least he's dead. And that is the kind of stuff that our guest Grant Howitt likes to write in his spare time. What's up, Grant? Hello.
1: I got a lot of complaints about that intro.
0: Really I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever it's up there with Shakespeare for me.
1: Thank you very much Yes, um, I was inspired by the Bard. It was a lot a lot of American people I think like at least like three or four Americans got in touch with like hey I really want to play with my kids, but I upset the swearing in it. I'm like motherfucker You're taking <laughs> out a guy's eyes? For a satanic ritual to bring a witch back to life and you're worried that I said fuck in the intro Just put your thumb over it.
0: Oh, see we're totally fine with the violence in America. Oh, absolutely!
1: Oh, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that, that, that it, it it continually amuses me and bemuses me how like violence super cool, absolutely fine, but God forbid you say willy.
0: <laughs> fanny, or whatever else you guys <laughs> say over there. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry.
1: I don't think I've heard anyone call it a Fanny in a long time. We use that for um, that's front bottom.
0: My I had, a, I had an uncle uh, who was British. I say had because divorced now, but uh, who was British. So when I was a kid, he would bring over um. The Dandy, I think, and Beano or some of ah, the comic books. The Beano. And yeah. so, yeah, any exposure to British culture is between that and the Premier League. So I'm, I'm pretty limited. Um, but, guys, this is my guest, Grant howard He is the creator of one page RPGs uh, such as The Witch is Dead, Honey Heist, Crash Pandas. You have probably seen or watched them on things like Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, Dungeons and Daddies, if you are into all of those different things. So, so Grant, how would you describe yourself, like in a nutshell, for people who might not have heard of you?
1: Uh, I am, I am a, I, I am the enfant terrible of role playing games, and I say that with full understanding that I'm 33 years old. This, this, this is still an old man's game. Role playing games uh, is is primarily done by 50 uh, year old men or. or Fifty plus. Although there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of the itch crowd at the moment, but I am, I'm on the. Uh, I'd like to think that I straddle the profitable line between punk
0: and indie. I didn't even know there was a profitable line between punk and indie. So you've got a oh, pretty yeah, fairly yeah. straddle, yeah, I would yeah. say.
1: Yeah, we do alright. Yeah, we do okay. My name is Grant Howard. I live and work in London. I uh, I make role playing games with uh, as part of Rowan Rook and Deckard, which is our our business name, with my friend uh, Chris Taylor and my partner Mary Hamilton. He's also my friend but you know primarily my partner and uh the three of us uh publish role playing games uh probably what you've heard of me from is if you have heard of me is my one page games as was said earlier and i put out one of those a month for free on the internet and we release we release a physical copy for for money um with with a back page because of you know physics uh but we also do uh we also do uh spire and coming up soon heart which are more sort of bigger bulkier more serious role-playing games with like messages and character classes and rules and things
0: yeah but is there swearing
1: so there's no swearing in Spire. we we do
0: say piss in heart <laughs> <laughs> well may, maybe you can make a censored copy for the uh for the more delicately inclined
1: i'm sure well yeah heart, heart is heart is uh, as, as we were discussing before heart is a, a horror game so we're allowed to say piss i think when <laughs> when uh one of the one of the ways you can quite easily die is a dog tears out of your body from your, from the mouth first, and then eats your friends.
0: Well, again, violence okay. Just you know, oh watch yeah, out, yeah, yeah, watch Sorry. out yeah, for the mouse, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, and you can see the dog's willy.
0: <gasps> oh no, see, crossed a line. Oh. There we go. Yeah.
1: Dog's not wearing trousers. Sorry,
0: pants. <laughs> I'll run this through an interpreter later so that uh, my American listeners can can get a, an idea of what's actually being said. Um, so, yeah. So like you said, uh, you, you do a lot. You're a creator in the space. You make the, the one page RPGs, the different games you guys have on your site, which which we'll link to in the show notes so you can check it out. When did you kind of get into making these one pagers? Because for people who haven't seen them, they're, they're very cool. I mean, they're hand drawn, I assume, by you or, you know, uh, a peon that you employ. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's all me, I, I, like we don't make enough money off them to employ peons Well, so future goals, that can be a Patreon uh, stretch goal Possibly, possibly So you illustrate them, you, they're hand-drawn, they're, they're super fun When did this kind of become a thing that you uh, got into?
1: So I had a picture in for a while uh, That was kind of the first thing I did to try and get money from role-playing games Back when I was living in Australia uh, I was living over there in 2014, I think 30, 14, anyway, one of the years, one of the years previous to this one and we, uh, I, I did, so I released three games through that, maybe four games, uh, which were like longer, like 30, 30 page length games. So like, uh, like One Last Job, I think is the most popular of those. We also did Havoc Brigade. It's a game where you play orcs like, like on a, an on a, in inverted commas, infiltration mission into a human city. Um, and Warrior Poet, which is, has a sort of a competitive haiku dueling mechanic at the core of it. And I put this out through my Patreon. And unfortunately... I hadn't priced it properly. And so, and of course, I was in Australia. So, um, by the time I released One Last Job, uh, sorry, by the time I released Havert Brigade, it was costing me more to, to mail out physical copies to like the eight people who backed me at that level than I was getting from the whole Patreon. So, we ended up shelving it. And eventually, um, it would be broadly along the same time as, as we were developing Heart. Um, my partner Mary and I had this big chat about like well, what what do we want to do with my career because i uh, I used to be a games journalist, used to be a um a video games journalist, and then we moved around the we've done the world a bunch with uh, my partner's job, and we had this chat it was like, well, what do you want to do to try and make your career work? And Mary is thankfully uh, they have a brain the size of a planet, so it's really useful to try and, um, one have them as our producer and our financial person in the business, um, but also our strategist. And we decided that, that 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 I would focus on um, big, beautiful games and quick, simple games. And the quick, simple games. The idea was that I would I would leave my Patreon up and I would say, Hey, everyone, I'm gonna I'm gonna write one page from now on. It's gonna be a single page. Uh, if you want to get out, that's absolutely fine. Like because it, like, it was it was 15 bucks for a copy of the game. I was like, If you don't want to pay 15 dollars for a single page, I entirely understand. You can lower your Patreon. You can, you can lower your pledge. You can leave. That's absolutely fine. It meant that I, I I got to keep my hand in. I got to like have an idea and see that through to see that through to fruition and then release it on the internet. Rather than so like before that, I had about I'm gonna say like six or seven role playing game ideas at any one time, and none of them were really going anywhere. I'd have like maybe three to four pages of of text on them, and I'd be sort of just fucking about with them and not really doing anything. And this forced me in a way to be like, every month I got to release something. Um, thankfully, I'm not on a I'm not on a monthly uh, patron thing. I'm on a I'm on a I'm on a per creation. I only ever release one a month, which means that uh, we've only skipped one month. But it meant I didn't feel bad when I when we, I, we just didn't have the bad right, I didn't have the yeah. bandwidth to release the game. Um, but it means I keep my hand in, and it means that now, thanks to uh, Critical Role, primarily thanks to Marisha Ray, who's been really good about um, who who was really good when when because she, she ran three games of Honey Heist um she was really good about saying hi this is grant this is his patreon go back this sure, and she yeah. wore the t-shirt and stuff and she was like because like there's a lot of a lot of places around my games and it's like they just like um oh, what was it um god god bless them i i love the McElroys i <laughs> listen to <clears throat> the yeah. a great deal but it's like it's like they found my game in a bin and like literally someone wrote in and say hey where do you find these one-page games and they're like oh the internet Like,
0: come on oh man come on travis <laughs> you could have said it's you, your name isn't long it's not hard to spell it's not long no no um
1: a, a, a lot
0: of americans
1: and australians think my name is grunt is uh. the way i pronounce it <laughs> hi hi
0: i'm Grunt howard grunt yes. <laughs> And you just you just let them call you that for years and years until
1: yeah, well, I, 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 I had yeah, I had grunt written a coffee cup in Australia once, which was which was a real turning point for me. But yeah, thanks to mainly Mauricio Ray, but also the fact that um from that, like from that, I've been able to sort of cultivate my own um environment around that, being able to cultivate my own following, and I, I'm that guy who puts up one page RPGs now. Um, I like to think that it's, it's quite exciting. I, I was chatting to someone on Twitter uh, last year and they were saying how, oh, well, of course, during the Grant Howard phase of one-page RPGs, I'm like, holy shit, I had a phase? You've,
0: you've now defined a point in uh, one-page RPG history.
1: Yeah, and I, 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 I kind of did, because like John Harper, who I, I really view John Harper as the innovator behind this because he did the lasers and feelings, which is the first sort of, the first one, which which I'd point to, is like a one page RPG. We had a uh, big motherfucking crab truckers before that, um, which wasn't great, and stuff like Roll I don't know, shoes. That, that name is pretty killer. Oh, it's you know, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and like, and and from, from my own over it in two thousand and seven, I released Drunken Bear Fighter. Okay, um, a game so bad I encourage people actively not to play it. <laughs> But the but the element of hey this is going to be really zany and really scrappy and we're not necessarily going to test it we're not going to try really hard it's going to tell us one story as well as we can and it's going to be fun it's this spark it's this creative thing it's supposed to run for two hours three hours maybe and you don't and you you, you don't push really hard to try and make a campaign of it and it it kind of did something which is kind of which which is the thing I'm I'm really excited about it got a lot of people into role playing uh, especially a lot of kids. Um, like in in school groups and stuff like it's not possible to buy d and d group d and d books for kids uh because you're looking at a hundred dollars plus the investment but it's really easy to run off a few copies of honey heist or whatever sure um and uh, it's like if you if you just sort of black out the word goddamn've seen a <laughs> few and and that's the kids and get them playing and they learn and they understand that oh this is the thing we yeah. can do and then from them people start making their own stuff and it's yeah, it's been really it's been really inspiring. I think that my favorite part of my of my job is to see there was I think the high the high point for me um was one, both Chris and I were recognized in the street when we were at Gen Con, which was a big oh, deal. Yeah. <laughs> I felt pretty good. But the actual high point was there was apparently for a couple of weeks, um four groups of French school children playing Kobold Endeavour. Which is a game where you play Kobolds on a heist, and the only skill you have is distraction. And they were they were playing this, it's so like because uh, the teacher translated it into French.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it was just it was a really beautiful moment. It was really nice to see. That. Oh man, like that's that's the sort of stuff I wanted when I was growing up, and it's accessible, and I'm making it, and that's that's really cool.
0: That's super great. Um, my my introduction was uh, like many people, like you said, through Critical Role mm-hmm. playing Honey Heist. And for me, and caveat, I have not gotten my my group that I play with to play one of your games yet mm. because they're like, well, we could play our D&D campaign. I'm like, but <laughs> we could also play The Witch is oh, Dead, which is the one yeah. I really want to play. Mm. Um, and, and really, that's mostly because for the longest time we tried to play D&D and it was hard to get the group together. And now mm-hmm. that we can, it's like, well, let's play our campaign. But one of the struggles that I had early on with D&D was i mean like you said you're you're pri- you could play one shot sure but you're primarily playing a campaign yeah and if you want to take a break from it like like yeah there are lots of board games i play but really i just love role playing mm. and sometimes i don't want to play dungeons and dragons mm. but then i would go well yeah, wh- what do i do i don't want to play in a one shot and so i'm like well th- these are perfect mm. this is exactly i'm like cool i can take two hours i don't have to prep maps I it just rolls and the table, and tells yeah. me what everything is and then we just play a game And then we're done and we don't have to overthink it and we don't have to put too much into it. We can just have a really good time Mm. making a fun story. Um, And so I think that's what's at least for me, incredibly appealing about the one pagers that you put out. Mm. There's there's quite a low barrier to entry, I think. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of being able to understand the system and
1: run with it, they do, they do require a lot from the GM. It's a thing that I've noticed the more, the more which I write, like as like uh, you could get a computer to run D and D and they have, um, you know, like, um, uh, was it Knights of the Old Republic runs on D&D and Planescape oh, yeah, and yeah. what have you? Yeah, Baldur's um, Gate and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that you can write the bits in and then like the and the choices are, oh, cool, I'm going to sneak through here, whatever, and we know what the chance of you sneaking in through here, right down to the way like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoulder barge this door. Okay, I know what the odds are of you breaking the door versus opening it, as opposed to something like Honey Heist where it's like, well, you've got two stats, bear and criminal. And that, that is the only way in which you're going to interact with the world right. as you hit points. Yeah. So you're putting a great deal of pressure on the GM. It's something which I've noticed, one of, cause I, I run them at cons um, and uh, 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 online and stuff. There's a great deal of it. just, it uses so much of your brain power. Because you're making these 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 uh, second by second minute by minute uh, uh, adjudications and choices to try and keep the game flowing, and it, I think the the biggest thing which I've learned as I wrote these and something which we which we've tried to work into our bigger games is to trust the GM because everyone's going to make it up as they go along anyway. So you might as well give them the keys to do that and sure. try and give them the a framework to work with them, which makes
0: fun games. Have you found that because you know the the rules are? You know fairly limited or open-ended that that reduces the amount of kind of rules lawyering that goes on in games where people are going oh Oh, absolutely on page 412 (laughs) it says that if there's a goblin 12 feet you know it's just like no you're a barrier criminal like it goes up or goes down just deal with it
1: yeah um i don't i've never really been into rules lawyering as it may probably not surprise you to hear from the length of games i wrote i um i find it I find it quite boring and off-putting, sure. the idea of having to learn rules for a game. And, like, I've, I've played in my fair share of Dungeons & Dragons games. You know, I've, been, I've been, in, in the, been in the hobby since about 2005, one would seriously. I was, I was playing around before that, but I've been playing in weekly games since 2005. Um, and I still don't really understand what feats are and which ones to pick. Sure. And like, and like in 3.5 for D&D, that was a real challenge as well. But I, I got to the point when I was making characters, if I playing something in Pathfinder or something along those lines, it would be like, okay, pick three feats. i uh, just find the nerdiest guy in the group and be like, hey, can you just pick out the feats for me, please, and tell me what they do? Thanks.
0: Just do, do my homework for me and have a Can back, you just uh, optimise
1: a... my character? But, but I thought of optimising your characters, oh, yeah. and I was like, ugh. ugh. And, like, and like, okay, sorry. That is That is a... There's something joyous and exciting about saying we've got this world and i picked the thing so i can do the thing best i'm really good at doing this thing uh and like Quite aside from being powerful, there's the sense of mastery as well, and the sense that um, oh, I've I've understood this system and I've 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 beaten it or I've I've come at it in a way which means I exploit the most power out of it. And there's something inherently fun about that. I understand. It's just um, it's not how I get my jollies because the, the GM can, if they want, they can just fill your ass with bees. They have <laughs> infinite power. Right. So. It's really, there's, it's, it's a bit like, it, there's, there's, there's an element of... Um... Is,
0: is Fill Your Ass With Bees the name of your next game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think that would go down too well with the American crowd, mate. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> fill Your Ass With Bees. <laughs> I, like the, I like the idea that maybe like you're at, you're at a wedding or a bar mitzvah and you have to try and fill your ass with bees without anyone noticing <laughs> before you get the last bee in. It's a stealth game. <laughs> One player plays the bees.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> You have to roll for sphincter
1: oh no not fatal no 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 no, there's no like for me i think i'd be much more interested in the bees temperament (laughs) how am i interacting with how am i charming the (laughs) (laughs) bees
0: oh my god and see we're joking but i like to imagine that this is probably how some of your games have come about oh
1: i'd say at least half so i had a I had a Monday night group for a while, which is on suspension on account of uh, the coronavirus, unfortunately. but um I'm going to say about s- uh, six of the 30 games I've written have come just from them giving me shit and how and how they've done things like they've done things like um uh well oh, there's, there's, there's one which I've got in the bank, which I haven't released yet, which I'm quite excited about uh, the, the, the current title is uh is, is, is the Right to Bear Arms, where your Arms are replaced with Bears." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, but like, like, I, I don't really like the titles "The Right to Bear Arms" because it's kind of a, a politically loaded title. Sure. But the idea of having uh, you 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 play you you have to run a superhero agency, but your arms are bears, and so like, it's really easy to fight crime, but it's really hard to like file paperwork, <laughs> do
0: administrative duties,
1: dude. <laughs> and like, what's the other one we had was a uh, it was a giraffe centaur, um, which is just a giraffe, and then instead of a head, it has a full human torso. <laughs> And just, but you're so and like,
0: high in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or like, or like, 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 um, your arms, your arm is each a full swan, and like, and you have to try and hide this from the and, and like maybe you have to go on a date and hide that from someone as well until like they get to know you and it's like okay, well actually my arms are swans, and um, there's something that like that that I just came from there. We were, we were either going to play test heart or spend all night coming up with ideas for this. And I was like, fuck heart, <laughs> heart's fine, whatever. It's big enough. It'll sort itself out yeah so listen, if you, if you find a problem in heart it's my monday nights group okay that's, that's, that's my yeah, that's, that's why but yeah um uh, uh like i quite often people be like, oh it's a good idea for a one page game and um the there's the, a, a lot of them are jokes and that's and that's fine like oh, it's, it's it's a funny idea for a game, but actually you have to have it's weird you have to have something more behind it yeah there has to be like there has to be something there has to be a kernel of something um, exp- exploratory something like player choice, something which you can, which 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 gives the players the option to uh, explore the world. And a lot of things that, um we've like, I found I've developed them is like oh actually this is just one joke and I can't push that any further.
0: So was uh was Critical Role kind of the first big show to to run one of your games or um oh hell yeah yeah and yeah. they're easy yeah, because they're like the biggest right but uh
1: yeah 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 absolutely uh, I got a message from Marisha Ray um. About a month before it went online, about uh, but, but a month before they recorded it, and she was like, "Hi there, I'm interested in running a game um, on our. I'm interested in running a game on our show. Do you have any advice for running it? I'm like, Oh, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know who right. she was. I don't, I've, I've still never watched Critical Role. I find it. I find it. I find all actual plays inscrutable. That is um, completely it's just, fair. <laughs> it's just they're just not really my bag it's like it's a series of in jokes which i'm not i'm not there for my, my wife like, feels I'm, the same
0: way and, and one of our other friends says like mm. i what he say? he's like i enjoy playing fantasy football american football i don't want to hear somebody else talk about their fantasy football game It's brutally boring
1: it was like um back, back when i was at uni in norwich um i think we had we had the most world of darkness live games uh, per capita of any city in the UK, <laughs> really, um, and that meant that any time you went to the pub with a bunch of geeks, occasionally someone would someone would sit you down and be like, "Oh, actually, sorry, Grant, I just want to talk. To I just want to talk to James here about 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 the the plans we're putting in place in Vampire." And you just no, I just came out for a drink. I just came out for a fucking drink and now you're scheming. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I get it because it's oh, it's man. kind of, it's kind of like a, like a safe play soft edged version of high school drama. Right. Cause we all missed out on that. Cause we're nerds. Like we didn't get to have any cool stuff around that. Um, and so it's this, it's this way you, you you can have this scheming and backbiting in a way, which is really quite clearly delineated with the rules and refs and stuff. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. It's not my scene. I'm really glad that other people get into it. I love how, I love how much um, it's buoyed our industry as well. It's brought this whole new, um, whole new generation of people into the games who wouldn't have otherwise had a way in. Because the only way, really the only way that you played D&D, the only way you found about D&D is you, found, you saw someone playing it. it was like, can I play? And if they said no, then you didn't play D&D. Right. And so now we've got the capacity for stuff like Critical Role, Is really high production value stuff, really like professional voice actors and professional comedians and stuff running their own games which is a great advert, but I think it's porn.
0: In as much as,
1: if I'm if, if the game I have with my mates round the round the dinner table on Monday night is is to sex, Critical Role is porn.
0: I mean the, the high, it's four K, sixty frames per second porn. Yeah. but sure, yeah.
1: It's it's so well. I I watch nothing else. <laughs> standards, uh, sir. <laughs> so I have to see the pause. But I <laughs> yeah, I can't. Um, it's 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 very distant from what I do, which is I get my friends over, I cook some dinner, we, uh, we have a smoke, we drink some wine, we chill out, and then maybe we play a game for an hour and a half at some point and something happens, or maybe we don't, and that's okay. And that, for me, is the crux of what gaming is sure. about, I think, rather than, rather than something slick. But that doesn't really make for good broadcast in as much as the very first game I ever broadcast uh, it was a uh, so unbound was the was the uh, second Kickstarter which we did. It's just unbound a uh, a it's a it's a dirty word, but it's a generic role playing game system in as much as it, it, it's 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 towards the action genre of role playing. Okay. It's actually really good, but the problem is we it's it, because it's a generic role playing game, you can't sell it, uh, you can't you can't like pitch it to anyone because it's it's, it's like, well, w- what do you do? Oh, anything. <laughs> well, I don't care. Right. Uh, I'd, 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 like, I'd like another. I'd like another uh, fifth edition uh, source book, please. Mm-hmm. And and so and so, um, we were we were doing a game of that where where like we, you know, we the great thing about Unbound is you sort of build the world a lot and the story alongside the characters, so everything sort of comes up uh, comes up organically. And we broadcast the first video of that. It's great. And the guy one of the comments was like, "You're saying mm and er uh, a lot." I'm like, "Motherfucker!" It says actual play. Right. We're actually playing
0: this. (laughs) Well, now I'm saying fuck and you a lot. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, Critical Role was the first one. Risha got in touch um, and asked if I had any advice. Um, I didn't because, like, it's it's, 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 basically what I I said was like, just just trust yourself. You'll be okay. I'm sure sure you know what you're doing. Um, And that was broadcast. I happened to to be on on an island on the Isle of Mull. I was at my, uh, my uncle's funeral. Um, about well, when the first honey highest game came out uh, was, was was live, and I was like, okay, well this this is a big deal for me. I've promoted this, like this 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 is going to be a really big deal. I'm I'm going to get up and watch it. So I set my alarm at 3 a.m. to go off, and I wake up bleary eyed and see my funeral suits hanging over my chair. Oh my God! For the next day, and like I left my curtains open, and there's a fucking deer outside in the <laughs> moonlight, and there's like this this like this this. Uh, and uh, I I live in London. So sure. it's ne- it's never dark and it's never quiet here. And on the Isle of Mull, it's completely like completely pitch black. This sort of like this endless these acres of nothing around me. This 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 void. And I blearily st- I sort of stagger to my feet and flip over the uh, flip over the laptop and put it on. And they're like, "Hi, so this is set this is set in our own game universe." And blah, blah, blah. okay, cool. I went back to sleep because I was like, oh, I'm sure this is great. I'm sure I'm sure this is just. This, this this is blowing your mind if you have a clue what they're talking about.
0: And then you went to a funeral.
1: I went to a funeral, yes. Yeah. Um, which is actually marginally more enjoyable than waking up <laughs> at 3 AM to watch my own game on Critical because at least I got drunk. So oh, Scott's funeral. So I got
0: drunk at the church. So did you ever go back and actually watch it? Have you ever Do do you typically watch or listen to when when somebody does your game or you're just like, oh, I um, have a good time with it, I'm gonna not do that?
1: It's it's honestly it's it's the same as any other actual play. Uh in in as much as like I I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't I, I don't like I, I view for role playing games that unless you're doing it with well, honestly, I, I view for all role playing games that you had to be there. It is, it is a very yeah, yeah it's a very personal experience. Um, because you've all got the say in the show, because you've all got the say in, in in the way you're building the world, you've got this tremendous opportunity for this really organic, beautiful, engaging engaging thing to come out. Uh, but if I don't have the say in that, then eh. Does, I don't really, I don't really get off on it, and so I, I tend not to. I'll tune in occasionally. Um, it like if there's, if, if 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 the people who are recording it uh, seem seem funny or whatever, I'll tune in and have a listen and like occasionally. But I don't, I don't think I've ever got on, the, gotten all the way through one. Um, I do. This is going to sound really, really dickish. I do listen to ones I've been in. <laughs>
0: I, don't think to, there's I mean that speaks back to your point of like you had to have been there, right? Yes,
1: that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. I'm I'm not a bad person. Um <laughs> but like I I think you did have to be there. And like there's a there's a, a, a rollout podcast, uh, Evan Saft um Evan <laughs> Saft show. Uh, I GM'd a game with Jason Statham's Big Vacation, um, which is I think I think is the strongest of our B-sides. <laughs> um uh, which I, I think is also primarily—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's very popular amongst a certain set of people, but bears remain perennially more popular than stathams. Sure, um, but we had we had a really lovely game of that, um, and Chris, uh, Chris my, my 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 writing partner, my uh, my companion Christopher Taylor, uh, played a lawyer and then got bored of got bored of the lawyer, so killed killed his own character off screen, <laughs> and. It's just like it's. I really like listening back to games that Chris and I were in because everyone else is like, okay, well the GM's here and he wrote the game, so we're going we're to treat him with respect. And Chris is like, nah, fuck you. I <laughs> I remember <laughs> when you were nineteen and cried over a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I enjoy uh, that. But I think I think there's the element of like, oh, I was there and I had that nice time and I enjoyed yeah. that. But it's not something I generally do so much.
0: No. Yeah, I mean, very much obviously. The- Kind of like what you were saying part of what makes games so enjoyable is the connections kind of the pre-existing connections that you have with other people um at the table um you know some of my best game memories are are nights like you described right we came over we cooked dinner we drank for a bit we talked and we're like oh you know let's let's throw a game out on the table and and play and sure i have great d d memories and those are similar things you know people you have connections with but um yeah, well, I enjoy watching actual plays. There, there are a couple. I watch Critical Role, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dungeons and Daddies. They did The Witch is Dead, um, and and I listened to that one. But after that, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I just, It's hard to, and it's because I've been doing it for a while, and I'm invested, and I'm like, well, I already care, so I guess I should keep going. But I've tried to listen to other things, and I can't.
1: I did listen to The Adventure Zone, the first arc of that, um, because that that was, I'd already managed to condition myself that the McElroy brothers are my fake friends by listening to their podcast.
0: <laughs> that's the true key. Uh, that's,
1: that's, 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 that's the thing. And so by like by like having D and D turn up, and then it was like, oh well, uh, Griffin McElroy's is going to tell a story, and I like Griffin McElroy. He seems like a funny, nice guy, so I listened to him tell a story with his with his, with his with his dad and his brothers. Um, but right, I think it was like halfway through the episode where they switched out D and D, and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm coming up with my own thing where I'm writing my own Apocalypse World game. Uh, it was like oh, no, what I liked was you ignoring D&D. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to listen to you fuck up Apocalypse World. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I enjoyed you telling a story. That yeah,
1: was a- yeah, precisely. And I think like <clears throat> D&D works really well if like you've got this story in mind and the players are allowed to fuck about on the edges of it, that's fine. But something, something with this bit like the big swings of Apocalypse World, Dungeon World, anything from that, from that um, canon, you can't afford to come with a story in mind. Otherwise the game doesn't work. Um, and I think that's where that's where I stumbled.
0: Sure. Well, let's take a real quick second here uh, to give a shout out to one of my other sponsors. You guys hear me talk about them uh, each and every week, Talon and Claw. They are based here in the U.S. in the lovely state of Washington. Anthony over there hand makes these beautiful custom wooden dice, access- dice accessories for your games, DM screens, dice holders, hero vaults. And word on the street is that he actually has a, a special presale of wooden dice coming up soon. So make sure you are following him on Twitter, keeping an eye out for when those become available. But you can go to talentandclaw.edc.com. Use my code. Once again, roll Persuasion at checkout. Save 10% on a dice vault of your own. You can get it in, well, I'm not I'm not going to say woods because maybe he's run out of certain wood and then I'll be in trouble for pimping something that doesn't exist. But just go there, see what he has. They're beautiful. I have a couple, um, just a big fan and, and a great guy. So it's great to help out people in the community who also make cool shit. So talentandclaw.edc.com. Check out their stuff. And uh, thank you to them for supporting our show.
1: Are they mainly for Druids who can't use like plastic or metal dice without breaking their vows?
0: <laughs> I think that's probably the general idea. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. And unfortunately, it doesn't fit well on a business card. So. <laughs> but one of, the things that, uh, one of the things that they sponsor on the show is they sponsor the Patreon questions that my backers Ooh. get to ask of my guests. And we have a couple here. And you've already and i'll go ahead and ask them you've already answered uh you know one of these maybe some others as i'm scrolling through them um the, the question is how did you get inspired to create your one-page rpgs like honey heist and it sounds like by getting drunk with friends <laughs> broadly next question yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah broadly I, and, and also like i will say the the most common way i'm inspired these days is i'll think of a mechanic or like oh there's there's a there's, there's a fun thing that i want to play with here so like um, uh, so the, the game i came up today actually called, uh, called Night uh, Chris and I wrote together and the mechanic was like, uh, how can you make a, how can you make people who get less powerful as the game goes on? Um, okay, and so we sort of played with that and a uh, system shutdown was my February game. That's a game about being a cyberpunk uh, and all of your implants start shutting down the longer you go. And so I sort of wanted to play with the idea of like, so you start off as this really cool, badass motherfucker and then you right. get worse and what your ass becomes more and more bad. Um, as, as, as you go along um, so quite commonly these days I'm, I'm inspired by something uh, by, inspired by something mechanically but yeah
0: generally I'll just get drunk with my mates and we, we work out from there not bad I feel like both systems work uh, work <laughs> out well in fact they probably pair well together mm. like a mm. fine wine and cheese next question is from Brady from patreon.com slash roll for persuasion uh, she says if you could play one of your games with anyone living or dead who would you play with and which game hmm Hmm.
1: I would like to play a game with. Since we're going living or dead, John Hurt. Okay. John Hurt had one of the best voices available, I believe, and I'm thinking probably like late 70s, early 80s Alien John Hurt. Right.
0: Um, sir John and, Hurt. Right. He is a.
1: Uh, yeah, he well, died? he was. Uh, well, he's a. Uh, he's 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 a. Uh, he's not with us anymore. But yes, I I I, I believe he was a sir. Uh, and I would like him to GM Spire for me, I think. Okay. I would like John Hurt to be my, to be my magister, the controller of my cell. Because that, be that would be quite a
0: powerful thing to happen. That is a really great answer. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of one of those answers more I think about. I'm like, man, I would have said something dumb. Like, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of it now because that's actually a genuinely really good answer.
1: Thank you. Well, it, it, I don't know. Like, it's, it's quite hard to think because I don't really. Um... Oh, um, William Gibson. I'd love, I'd love, i love to somehow, I'd love to do something with William Gibson, in that Neuromancer has inspired such a great deal of what I think is cool and what I think is important, and uh, just the idea of um, cyberpunk yeah. and everything that grew out of that. I, and, the, and 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 he like he remains an inspiration. Uh, Gibson, uh, Chris and I were chatting, and we were like, if you saw someone famous who, like, who? how famous and how in love with them would you have to be before you go up and say something? And, like, we couldn't think of anyone. We're both like, actually, fuck it, Gibson. Yeah, definitely Gibson. I'd go up and I'd I'd try and shake
0: his hand. See, I feel like I'd have a hard time picking him out. I mean, you know, he looks 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 like like a math teacher.
1: Yeah, I I figured, like, you'd have to have a name badge on or something.
0: (laughs) You'd have to do that up and down, like, oh, you, you, yes, okay, connection. Of of the first William Gibson I thought of? Wow. (laughs) Well, those are good answers. I, uh, I give those a 9 out of 10. Um, next question comes from Sarah at patreon.com slash rule for persuasion. She says, what RPG ideas have you been wanting to write forever, but haven't gotten the chance to? And can we have any hints for RPGs we might see from you in the future? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, well, things are rather uncertain at present. The state of the world, sure. the way the way it currently is, um, we have we have plans coming up for the uh, for the summer. Uh, we're planning on releasing. Uh, we, we want to do a Kickstarter for three different books, actually, at the same time. We've got a sourcebook for Heart, a sourcebook for Spire, and a sourcebook for both Spire and Heart, which is very exciting. Um, but the, uh, the current, I've wanted to write a Mech game for a very long time. I think giant robots are really cool. I would agree. And I'm just not quite sure how I think they're cool because it's not the games they're in. It's not the animes they're in. It's maybe Pacific Rim, but only about half of it. I can't really deal with the schmaltz. And there's a great, like, I just think, I think the concept of giant robots is cool, but the, the execution tends to get bogged down with a lot of technical details, Right. But if you don't have the technical details, it doesn't feel right. I hear Lance is very good, but it did so well, I'm scared of reading it. <laughs> the same way, the same way that like I own dialect, but it did yeah. so well on Kickstarter, I have not read it because I've been jealous and embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm denying myself quite. Unlike like Breaking Bad, everyone says how good Breaking Bad is, and I'm like, I should watch that at some point, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, it's, still it's kind of that episode. never meet
1: your heroes
0: kind of thing. Except yeah, you I don't, think, it becomes so yeah. hyped up that you're like, oh well, the, the hype is already outstripped what this could possibly mm. be. I'm only going to be disappointed, possibly.
1: Um, but I've always I've wanted to write a a mech game for a long time, and I had I had one I've had one brewing for the last five or six years, on and off. Uh, which is tentatively titled "Thimble Winter Mech Apocalypse," uh, in which you play. Uh, you play. So it's all it's all it's all set in, in post-apocalyptic Scandinavia, and everything's frozen over. Uh, and you uh, you're these these giant robots stomping around these behemoths from the Jotun Corporation. Uh, this sort of rogue AI. So these giant robots are stomping around, and you rip bits off them, and build your own robots, and go and fight them. But the uh, the one thing I had that was different from every other mech game. Uh, was the principle of vectoren, and vectoren means watchman and the idea is that like you don't have um you don't have proper sensor gear in this so you don't really have cameras and stuff it's all it's all running on uh kind of like world war ii great technology um so to keep an eye out for for, for enemy uh enemy mechs and to sort of um, maintain awareness of the surroundings you have a guy on top uh, basically on a balcony with a rocket launcher, <laughs> or he might be on a little hang glider who's watching around right. and like occasionally they'll jump on other mechs and they'll do things. But the principle of vector and really, really sort of that really sung for me. And I had that idea, of, oh, okay, that's it. Cool. And the and like having I've wanted yeah, I've wanted to write something with that I've wanted to write a, a war game with lots of movement and lots of like you like you hit each other and you fly off in separate directions or you get pushed around the battlefield because every war game I've played. Generally, run up to each other and hit each other. Then the game's over. <laughs> right. And I want I want lots of movement. I want lots of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some sort of some sort of giant robot game.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I've done, I've done I've done two one pages about giant robots so far. Uh, Pride, Pride and Extreme Prejudice, um, which is basically Girls and Panzer but set in Jane Austen times and with giant robots rather than tanks, uh, and Giant Goddamn Robots, which is an excuse to throw dice at <laughs> pictures of robots from across the table. <laughs>
0: what what is it uh what is it about giant robots um i mean d- did you have like were you like a transformers fan you know as, um, as a kid, I, was a see, what, I was a power
1: rangers see that was
0: my introduction yeah
1: yeah um i so i remember really like really getting power rangers and really getting like the idea that you've but you like you form this giant robot and it's all part of it but i think for me the thing which gets me gets me about giant robots um, is that they are, they're commonly shown in cities. Um, and you, and like, just the scale of the thing really works for me. And the fact that like, buildings for us are these are these, like, these almost indestructible, inviolable objects. And when a giant robot comes, they just crash and smash it aside. And that's, that's really exciting, seeing that different scale of thing come to play, seeing the tremendous power of it, and being in control of that. That, that, really, that really does it for me, I find that really exciting.
0: Very cool. Oh,
1: also, um, the fact that you can get maybe five or six people in one of them. That's the other thing I've been trying to write. That's, that's the reason why I haven't got the mech game. Because yeah. I, I wanted to have a game where you all pilot a single mech. Because I played, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Artemis Bridge Simulator. Okay. Um, which, if, if your listeners don't know, it's uh, basically, a, it's, 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 like, it's like you're on the bridge of the Star Trek Enterprise. No, it's like we're on the bridge of the USS Enterprise, the, the, the ship in right. Star Trek. I don't, I don't know the name. Um, uh, and so one of you is the captain, and one of you is engineering, and one of you is weapons, and one of you is science. And so you, like, it runs on five computers, all plugged into each other. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, Alina, was, was kind enough to set up a game for us when we were visiting the UK once. And I got to play, uh, I, and, I, and I was the captain. And I didn't have a screen, I had a scarf. And I flipped my scarf over my shoulder and made terrible tactical decisions. But it was so exciting. And then later, yeah. I some other stuff as well. But it was so exciting to have everyone come together to solve that same objective. Uh, and I can't fathom a way to do it in role playing games. It isn't tremendously boring. But
0: maybe one day I'll get there. Who knows? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a game you, you might like called uh, Sonar which is mm. uh, it's a competitive oh, game and it's I, yeah. I don't remember how many players are on each side but you are piloting a submarine you are both mm. teams are running a submarine once the the pilot the uh you know the engineer and everyone has mm. different duties and everything is ongoing and you're trying to mm. actively plot and now it's it's wild and crazy because everybody's yelling over each other it's it's all mm. analog um but kind of similar. space with, team is yeah the one. space, team is space the one team? I, oh i love space team <laughs> space oh. team so good I, what was the sound effect that makes like, like whoa, 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 whoa. when you're like about it's to beam wh- up p- I love that sound
1: yeah just turn your phone upside down yeah yeah
0: oh, shake shake asteroid field uh, yeah, space team is a good game they are not a sponsor Beautiful. of the show but if they want to be uh, yeah. Andrew at rollforpersuasion.com. dot <laughs> com last question is from a new patreon supporter shout out to William uh, who is a new I think as of yesterday or well hey, eight William. days ago when this airs um, supporter of the show thank you for your support he writes at patreon.com slash what is your writing process for one-page RPG? If something goes over a page, what do you do to cut that down back to a single page?
1: So generally, I um, uh, so one thing I will say you can make the margins pretty small on Google Docs. Uh, so you, you make the margins nice and small. You can also cut things up uh, with with scissors and then glue them back on if you uh, if you really want to get if, if you want to get like fizzy with it. Right. Because like like the the reason why I do it like like I primarily do it with uh, scissors is because I don't really understand Google Docs. I don't really understand like desktop publishing in general and it gets a bit persnickety if you try and put text next to other text. so you can get you can get interesting and creative with the uh, the layout. but generally what I'll do um, I'll write the core mechanic first uh, and so that like, each of my games you look at there'll be a, there'll be like a paragraph which is here is the core mechanic of the game and that's, and that's, that's what happens and so that's the like, I'll write that out and then I'll do like okay, so how do we make characters? And how do like what have people got to lose of, of the back? Like what's the what's the arc that we're talking about here? What's the what's the story? And how, what sort of rules are we getting to make that? And then if I've got some room left, I'll try and put in tables and stuff. And I'll try and like I try to use tables as much as possible uh, because you can get you can you can get a lot of um, what's the word mileage out of very few words by combining them. Uh, so like if, if if you roll on, if you roll on these three tables or roll three times and combine gives right. you much more than than like eight suggested ideas you know sure um, but generally the writing process is I'll get that core mechanic out I'll do some things around it um, I'll show it to Chris uh, whether or not Chris is credited on a on a role playing game he has read all of them before I've put them out and like he'll be like oh I'm not sure about this oh I like it so like, generally he'll be like I like that that's good on you go. And then, I'll, and then emboldened, I'll carry on and sort of sketch out the rest of it there. Um, but everything aside from the core mechanic is gravy, pretty much. And, like, some of it, like, sometimes it makes it. So, like, Honey Heist wouldn't be what it is without the hat table, So Right. The hat table, there's something about that which is like, well, definitely, I definitely want to have a hat on a bear. Sure. And even though it says nowhere in the game, People, there's this sort of this sort of mythos has, has risen up around Huddy House where if you if you leave your hat on, people think you're a person. If you take your hat off, you're a bear, and like that's nowhere on the sheet. You can look at the sheet. It's not like I've got a lot of room to hide things, but people seem to have got that into their heads. That is great. I love that. I love the fact that there's sort of this this uh, folklore has risen up around right, around yeah. the game. Uh, but yeah, I think that you you've got the core mechanic, uh, you've got character generation, and then. I try and fit as much as I can on around in terms of tables, in terms of here's some ideas for games, here's some things that might happen uh, to, give the, um, to give the the
0: GM and the players a spark to start telling that story. Do you ever find that you manage to get the game to take up, you know, leave a, a, a significant chunk of page empty so then you just have to make up crap to kind of fill it in so it, it, oh, it fills God up yeah. the whole page? Yeah,
1: that's why I do the drawings. Sure. Primarily, because um, like they're okay, the drawings, but they're not—they're not like artist quality, and they're, they're not the sort of thing which should pull people in on Twitter. Like, I could do—I could probably do much better if I just paired with an artist, you know. Um, but just just from a from a royalties point of view, it's, it, it seems it seems foolhardy to do so. Um, no, I do occasionally, um, and especially like Night Hag, uh, the one I put out uh, today is very uh or I suppose a week ago when this comes out. Um like there's a lot of background on there and there's I actually had a lot of room to play with so I got I got I got this blew up blew up and washed out this this picture, this spooky picture of a window and then stuck on stuck stuff on top of that because that worked Um but yeah I was it's much easier I used to write them out entirely by hand. Um uh, like, uh, The Witch is dead was the first one I did and that's that's probably the one, one the more Honey uh, oh, House is is in hand is by is handwritten as well. And um it's unreliable and it's hard to read. Sure. Yeah. Um, and like, there's certainly a definite charm to it, I think, but the fact people can't, pe- people can't read off screen readers. It's harder for them to, 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 to mess with, um, and, and hack up into their own format and so, and also it's harder for me cause I have to write a whole page of text by hand and like, if I mess it up, I can't go back and change it. Right. Generally what I was doing, I'd write out a Google doc first and then write that down and so, I might as well just print the Google doc and then draw around it. And that that seems to work better uh, rather than everyone, get to like the
0: last word of the last sentence and just like completely cock it up and have to go redo the whole thing.
1: Well, I th- Well, I mean, like, I think there's a bit, there's a few bits uh, in like Wish is Dead* and *Golden Sea* where I've just like rewritten a paragraph and, and like pricked it over the top. <laughs> <laughs> I probably like, actually cut and paste stuff on right. top rather than rather than do it. But yeah, um, it's uh, it's a much it's a much more uh, orderly way of doing things. Sure.
0: Well, very cool. Well, uh, you know, hey, man, like we talked about before we start recording that we're, in, you know, we're in a bit of a weird time uh, Hell yeah. and uh, we're probably going to be for a while. So, mm. so you know, what are things like right now? This this will come out, uh, assuming I'm on top of uh, what I do on the 26th, mm. so a week from tomorrow when we're recording. What are things right now like? Uh, like in London like for you? So...
1: There's almost there's this there's this um, desire to like sort of Voldemort style not name it you know not name it or like I I think my current favorite is my current favorite term for it is the global pandemic yeah um it's strange we're still adjusting um like we haven't um we haven't instituted any sort of um, travel ban yet in the UK we haven't had any sort of lockdown it's looking like something will go ahead soon Um, thankfully like most of the people I care about aren't in a high risk group um uh there are obviously some members of my family are, are are at risk and that's scary um but primarily what scares me now is the is the ongoing economic impact of this and sure. the emotional impact of isolation um and poverty on a lot of people because um you know a lot of people got laid off a lot of people are already losing their jobs, and the governments the governments around the world are going to have to try and find something to put in place um to try and to try and make this up and so that's really scary like a lot of people are gonna be i'm i'm not i'm i'm not as scared of the virus as, as i am scared of the effect right, that it's yeah. gonna have on people yeah. um and it's a constant fear it's been it's been like it's been a serious matter for about a week now in the uk um it was like there was rumblings around and and, and, and like and like before that like maybe a couple of weeks you'd like you'd wash your hands more when you got indoors Um, but it's been, it's been a big deal, but we haven't shut anything down. There's still people on the streets. There's still people in pubs and stuff. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna absolutely kick our ass. Um, which is scary. um, I'm just, I'm sort of preemptively grieving, I think, for a lot of the, a lot of the loss of life that's going to happen when this really starts to kick off and a lot of the older and more vulnerable people in our, in our world, uh, suffer and die because of this. Um, but we are the important thing which i've tried to take away from this and like as i was saying to you beforehand uh, before we started recording i'm looking forward to it becoming boring sure. because because like human, human humanity has has the has the uh, like the thing which has been which inspires me is we can get bored and we can make jokes about anything like we're good at that and right now what we have is uncertainty we have this massive we have this like we have this big unknown and like the worst is yet to come, for a lot of this, um, and where like no matter what happens, it's going to be a great deal of indoor time for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to get sick, and that's scary. But the thing which I focused on, uh, which which has kept me—I was going to say—sane, moderately sane—is that we can only we can only use the fear, we can only use the anxiety, in as much as we can take actions. And past that, this is a global problem it's, it is national first and then global. Um, and the scope of which we cannot really hope to affect. And so for me personally, I have no medical training. I have nothing. I have, I have no particular um, skills, which I can apply to this. I don't, I can't even drive, you know, so I can't even deliver stuff. And so what I can do is stay indoors and not breathe on people and try and be present for my friends and family when they need me and try and remember, because what's, what's going to cause a great deal of harm is not just this virus, but a, a, a social isolation around people. And like a lot of old people are going to be very, tremendously lonely. Um, and people who live alone, various things, it's going, to, it's going to be really weird and really strange. And so we have to try and find joy in things. We have to try and learn that we cannot do things about this. There are inevitabilities and like, and most people cannot make any actions, which will, which will help this aside from just not breathing on people. And so inaction is okay. And we have to sit with that. We have to let this wash over us and we have to try and find joy and try and, be al- try and allow ourselves to be happy in this and take pleasure where we can whilst being safe um and man that, that that's that's a serious end to a show huh
0: well we'll we'll segue into a dick joke in a second but uh <laughs> but, but a but, serious
1: end for you right here yeah, yeah but
0: hey you know that was good I, w- I would stop with that but i do want to follow up on what you said um because because you're right uh i mean everything you said you're right and i i think part of what makes it so hard something that i'm feeling keenly is is, is what you said that you know, at the very least, what you can do is not do anything. Like mm. that's actually an incredibly helpful thing. Stay not home even and not, not do anything. Least. Oh, sure. That's like that's, that's that's the very most. Right. Yeah. That's actually the, the most impactful thing. You know, yeah. short of, if you're not a care provider, right? Or yeah, God bless the- our our grocery store workers. Yeah. Yeah. But it it can feel like for people, I I think as people, we tend to want to be more active in mm. addressing something scary, and for so. Sure or we want to feel like we're doing something right and so and so feeling like well staying home i'm helping people that that's a hard thing to wrap our mind around and really accept Mm. but but it really is you know the best thing we can we can do for each other right now along Mm. with keeping in touch with each other encouraging each other finding ways to stay connected and Mm. reach out yeah uh dick joke um (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I, I really appreciate you and I've been, I think I hit you up in emails a while ago and we've been trying yeah, to talk for been a while. I yeah, I you and stuff has moved around and then, you know, viruses <laughs> and um, I'm glad we got to talk, man. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to, uh, no to join me and share what you do.
1: It has been a much needed dose of normality. I have, I have been, I have so full disclosure to your listeners. I have been unable to write for a week. I've been, I've been sat at my desk. Certainly. And I've been sort of bimbling around doing admin tasks, I've not really been able to write. I managed to turn out some stuff for the uh, for the, so the final heart source book I'm currently writing due at the end of the week, and I managed to turn out some stuff for that today. But I am I am really thankful for the chance to do something which
0: feels slightly normal. Well, I I'm very, you know, very glad to offer that, <laughs> honestly, like seriously. Um and that's kind of been Oh, you know, my hope in the midst of all this, you know, what, in, in what small way can I uh, talk to people mm. either directly like you and I are doing or by people who are listening to the show or on Twitter mm. or an email, um, you know, remind us that we're not alone um, and, you know, kind of help us continue to move forward until it gets to that point where we're feeling bored. Yeah. Well, before we go, um, we've, we're going to talk about death for a bit. <laughs> no, okay. that's it. Joking. Um, well, let's. I've got a sure. joke if you'd like. I, you know, what, bring that in, in a second. Uh, that's okay. what she said um we'll uh we'll talk about where people can find you or they can check out your stuff and Mm -hmm. also uh, let's make sure people know too. see man we got so serious i gotta look at my notes now and get back to where (laughs) we were um if you are a Patreon backer make sure that you stick around because after our outro music we'll have our zone of truth segment where Grant's going to be telling me grunt where grunt is going to be telling me <laughs> about yeah uh, you mentioned before the show that you are very much into painting toy soldiers I which did, yes. intrigues me to no end so if you are a Patreon supporter make sure you are subscribed to our special backer only feed so that you get access to that if you are not uh consider it or or don't honestly um it's fine. I just want you to enjoy what we're doing. But if you want to hear about toy soldiers, you can back the show and that'll be a great way to do that. But Grant, where can people find you and your work and support what you're doing?
1: Uh, so the best place to find all the games I write is on RRD games. That's Romeo, Romeo, Delta games.com uh, or Rowan, Rook and Deckard, .com, But that's harder to spell. Uh, that we, we upload all of our games there we put out there, are, there are, I think we're up to nearly 40 one page role playing games now and a lot of which aren't one page role playing games and you can buy anything we've got on current release through there as long as it exists in physical form um, you can also follow me on Twitter I tweet um, I tweet fairly frequently a lot, a lot, a lot of um, like moody selfies some lefty politics um, and, uh, and pictures of toy soldiers I've built <laughs> But also, I put up on my one-page games through there um, and talk about any sort of new releases. That's probably the best news, news place for me. Very oh, cool. Oh, oh. actually, one, one more thing. Throw it out. I should out. mention this. Um, if, you, uh, if you've liked listening to me talk and you're like, I like this, but what if there was another Englishman with quite a similar voice <laughs> and there were more jokes about dicks, then you'll love Hearty Dice Friends. Uh, this is the podcast that Chris and I uh, do together uh we have uh, you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash hearty dice friends there might be some hyphens in there i don't know just search hearty dice friends man yeah, throw it in the, yeah
0: we'll throw it in the show notes
1: yeah, yeah, yeah um and so chris and i we kind of it's half half um advice half game design uh, we just talk about games for a bit and, and make up some jokes but we have kind of a nice chemistry so take a listen
0: well, I appreciate you being on because I have found from a, a prior episode where I had a, a couple from Australia on that uh, people with cool accents do really well in America. They just really <laughs> class the joint up a bit. So um, I, I appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. No worries. Thank you for having me. Well, cool. And of course, guys, like I said, uh, if you are a Patreon backer, make sure you stick around for that Zone of Truth segment. It is brought to you by my friends at Smuggler's Coffee. You have heard me talk to them on the show and about the show. They make delicious... Barrel aged coffee. Grant, do y'all drink coffee? I know tea's a thing.
1: Um, oh yeah, I, I, um, you know, I haven't had much recently on account of my nerves being through the fucking sure, roof. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I enjoy a cup. I have, a, I have, a, I have a little mocha pot and make some espresso there. Oh, in the morning. Mocha yeah. pots are great.
0: Yeah. Well, the great thing about Smuggler's Coffee <sighs> is they barrel age many other coffee beans, which means they're throwing those beans into uh, bourbon barrels, whiskey barrels, rum, wow. whatever you're into. They let them sit there for months and months and months and soak up all that goodness and then they roast them and make delicious coffee from them. So if you guys love coffee, go to store.smugglerscoffee.com. They've been supporters of the show since the beginning. They just announced and released their advanced science and sorcery coffee, which is their first flavored line, which is a cinnamon roll (laughs) flavored and butter toffee. it's also named really fantastically. So make sure you go check out those new things. If you like flavored coffee, store.smugglerscoffee.com. They support the zone of truth segment on the show and we appreciate them very much. As always, you can follow the show on all the social media things that I talk about. I'm not going to yell at you again. You can certainly go find it or listen to a different point or look in the show notes. It will all be there. I do appreciate the reviews and the support on the different podcast apps and podcast services. So go do that if you're bored and you have time. And uh, like we were saying, it's a, it's a weird time right now. But I appreciate you guys listening and reaching out on Twitter and online. Um, let's be nice to each other. Let's have some fun and uh, enjoy your games.